I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back alone I'm coming back to the heart of worship Cause it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry
You deserve all of it all. Someone just say something to the Lord. All of it all. Oh Lord our God. It's all about you, Jesus. Now make it personal. You deserve all of my praise. All of my praise. Oh Lord, cause it's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's all about you. still in the meditative mood you know the worship leader our elder you know while she was leading said something if it were not for what god had done where would we be it doesn't matter how we started this year the truth is irrespective of the plans that you and i had the enemy also had plans but the plans of the Lord has prevailed so far. If it were not for his mercies, where would we have been? But his mercies are new every morning. And so we give God all the praise. Father, we are before your presence, recognizing your Lordship. Acknowledging that you are the one who has taken us out of the pit. And you have placed our feet on your rock to stay. Upon whom can we ascribe all this glory to except the one who is highly lifted up, seated above the heavens? So we magnify you and exalt you. We praise you. We give you praise. We give you glory. We honor you. We magnify your holy name. We thank you for your mercies. In the good times and the bad times, you never disappoint. You never leave us nor forsake us. You said you will be with us even unto the end of the age. You will not leave us as orphans. So, Father, we have this praise in our hearts, giving you all the glory and all the honor. Thanking you for each passing moment, knowing that you are the Lord of our lives, the God of our days and the God of our nights. Oh, Father, we thank you. We bless your name. We give you all the glory, all the honor. It's all about you, Jesus. You deserve all of our praise. All of our praise. Because it's all about you, Jesus. If not because of his saving grace his sanctifying power where would we be what boldness would we have to approach the presence of our father what courage would we even have to call him father father we do not take this privilege for granted we recognize that it was all based on the sacrifice of your son oh father help us Help us, have mercy upon us that we will not look 
at ourselves and think that we have brought ourselves not far, but that we would always ascribe to you all the glory, all the honor, that we would always hold on to Jesus with each passing moment, with every passing breath, acknowledging his lordship, acknowledging his glory, acknowledging his might. So we bless your name. We thank you for your blood that is ever pure, your blood that is ever true, and the blood that ever speaks for us redemption. We give you glory, we give you honor. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. If you believe that you have breath in your lungs, just give God all the glory and all the honor. Magnify his name for who he is. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We give God all the praise. We give God all the praise. Um, I'd like to honor the name of the Lord um, for how he's led you know, this atmosphere so far. To God be all the glory. Amen. Amen. I'd like to honor our pastor seated in front of us. God bless you, sir. Um, this week he's here with us, so God bless you. <laughs> Amen. I'd like to honor our um, elders, our leaders, executives, brothers and sisters, our grandpas, grandmas, God richly bless you. Amen. Amen. Uh, please turn to your neighbor and say, God richly bless you. God richly bless you. You are here strictly by the grace of God, and God richly bless you. Amen. Amen. If the person by your left-hand side or your right-hand side wasn't excited to hear that God richly blessed them, turn to your other neighbor and say, God richly bless you. I don't know what that guy is doing or what that guy is saying. I don't understand what they are doing. But it seems you are a better person to talk to. <laughs> and if nobody is responding, just lay your hands on your head. God bless me. God bless me real good. I mean, I looked at the mirror. Uh, I said, uh, but I'll still say, God richly bless me. Amen. Amen. You know, sometimes some mirrors lie. <laughs> <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, uh, the mirror wasn't really lying. <laughs> Amen. 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 We give God all the praise for the opportunity that he has given us to be in his presence because it is always strictly by his grace and his mercy. And for the past few weeks, we have been dealing with the new topic, a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. Um, a few weeks ago, um, uh, we were taught Christ the new, priest, uh, Christ the new priesthood. Um, last week, our pastor... You know, taught us about what it means to walk in that place of putting on the garment of praise. Amen. Please, if you missed that message, I plead with you, this series built on itself. Take the time to go listen to it. Amen. Amen. It will minister to you. Amen. And anyone who was here last week would know that it would minister to you. Amen. Amen. So today we are going to be speaking on praise, our unending sacrifice. Praise, our unending sacrifice. Please let us quickly read Leviticus chapter 6, going from 12 to 13. Um, let's first read 1 Corinthians chapter 3 from verses 11 to 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 from verses 11 to 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 
from verses 11 to 15. Are we there? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we'll quickly read this together. It says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. Someone turn to your neighbor and say, I am building something. You are building something. Because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. In other words, what he's saying there is if your, if your work exists after passing through fire, you shall receive a reward. But he says this, if any man's work abide which he had built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved. Yet so as by fire. Amen. Now let us quickly go to Leviticus chapter 6 from verses 12 to 13. Leviticus chapter 6 from verses 12 to 13. God bless you. Like to Leviticus chapter six. I guess I'll just read. Okay, and it says this: and the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it; it shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and lay the burnt fat, burnt offering in order upon it, and he shall burn thereon. The fat of the peace offerings. And verse 13 says, The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. So turn to your neighbor and say, The fire must always be upon the altar. And it must never go out. Before proceeding, I'd like to just begin by just sharing a few things about what we've been discussing. The importance of the priestly ministry. The importance of the priestly ministry. The first thing is this. The priestly ministry that you and I have been called to is superior to all other ministries. It is superior to all other ministries. The Bible makes us to understand that the heavens and the earth will pass away, but one thing shall remain. That is the word of God. Now, we all have been called to a ministry. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, you are a royal priesthood, but that priestly ministry exists forever. It is superior. There are some things that will pass away. The apostolic ministry will pass away. The prophetic ministry will pass away. The pastoral ministry will pass away. The evangelistic ministry will pass away. The teaching ministry will pass away. But there is a ministry that you and I have been called to that will exist from now to eternity. And that is called this priestly ministry. So what we are trying to do here is show you the importance of what we are talking about. It is not about the things that we do that people see. It's not about the ministries that we see. It's about what God has instituted. He said, I shall make them a kingdom of priests. A kingdom of priests. So we have been called to an eternal scope an eternal ministry. 
that will exist, but it is in this framework that God has instituted that we can only function. And that is what? Serving as priests in his kingdom. So it is one thing for you and I to wake up and say, we want to do some things in the church. And it is another thing for us to come to the realization that we have been called to a place of servitude unto God. Now, think about this. In the book of Acts, Saul and a group of his friends came together. The Bible makes us understand that when they came together, they, they came together to minister unto the Lord in fasting and prayer. They weren't ministering unto the people. They weren't thinking of doing something that would energize the church in Antioch. But what they did was they came together so that they could empower, they could empower and minister unto whom? The Lord. It was something that they did unto themselves. Not publicly. They said certain prophets and teachers came together. So they were in an office, but they saw an importance of dedicating themselves unto a priestly ministry. And that was unto the Lord. Think about it. It wasn't a 20-day prayer and fasting so that you would get, what, what are the titles this time around? <laughs> anointing for success, anointing for breakthrough. No, it was just come together. Lord, we are ministering unto you. Not for anything. Not for any acknowledgement. But unto you. And they saw that as a privilege. They saw that as a service. They saw that as responsibility. But it was in that frame of mind, while they were ministering unto the Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke and said, Call out unto me whom Barnabas and Saul. Unto the work. Set them aside unto the work that I have for them. If Paul had woken up and said himself, you know what? I think I'm enlightened enough. I have spent a lot of time in the scriptures. And I have divine ability and grace. Everybody has seen it. I have gone to Jerusalem. <laughs> I have taken my revelation to the apostles. And they have recognized that I am, I am empowered. I think it's time for me to set out on my ministry. <laughs> Do you think you and I would have heard about Paul? It was something that God initiated, but it was in the place of ministering unto the Lord. Someone tell your neighbor, I am a minister unto the Lord. A minister unto the Lord. So the first thing is this. It is a superior priesthood. Now if you read Hebrews chapter 10 from verses 12 to 15. Hebrews chapter 10 from verses 12 to 15. It says this. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. He's offering was just one time. But that single offering was perfect. But it perfects those who are in the place of consistent sanctification. So, the priestly ministry is a place of consistent sanctification. You have been perfected, but you are consistently sanctified 
in that place of perfection. Amen. Now, the second thing is this. It is superior to other types of priesthoods. It is important for us to understand that there are other priesthoods. It is superior to the Levitical priesthood. It is superior to even what we time as satanic priesthoods. We can see that vividly in what he did, in what Elijah did when he encountered the prophet of Saul. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 20 to 14, when you read it, you see that Elijah came and said, let the God that answers by fire, let him be God. But if you look at what he did, what he did was he initiated the altar of sacrifice, which is a very priestly ministry. And in that very episode, you see that there was a battle between, you could say between gods, but it wasn't really between gods. It wasn't a battle. It was God just showing his supremacy and his dominance. And we see here that it is superior to other priesthoods. Turn to your neighbor and say, we have a superior ministry. We have a superior ministry. The third thing, remember I'm still talking about the importance of the priestly ministry. Importance of the priestly ministry. It gives special immunity from judgment. It gives special immunity from judgment. Now, in Numbers chapter 12 verses 1 to 2, Numbers chapter 12 verses 1 to 2, Aaron and Miriam opposed Moses. They opposed him because he went and he married someone else, someone that he was not supposed to marry. A Kushite. And then they were upset with him. But how many of us know that only one person got instant judgment? Who was that? Miriam. She became leprous. Now, it was both Aaron and Miriam that opposed Moses. But only Miriam got instant judgment. Now, even let us even go back to the beginning. When Moses was on the mountain waiting on the Lord for the Ten Commandments, what did Aaron do? He was the primary instigator. He took the gold from the women. He made an idol of calf, but he was not among the 3,000 people that died. Moses interceded for him. But you see something that Aaron was the high priest. So it made him immune from judgment. Now, it, I'm not saying be, as high priest he could have done anything. No. I'm saying because of his position, he was immune. Now, when you look at Numbers, Numbers chapter 20, verse 28, the day, the same day that Aaron removed his priestly garment and put it on his son, Eliasa, immediately he died. Not the next day. Immediately, he died. That was the end of his ministry. So, the priestly ministry is what gives each and every one of us divine immunity from judgment. But now, it is important for us to take things very slowly. It doesn't mean you can't do anything. But it gives immunity. And of course, finally, it is eternal in its scope. 
eternal in his scope. When we look at, uh, when you look at Revelation chapter 5 verse 10, Revelation chapter 5 verse 10 says this. It says, and has made us unto our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. So that ministry would never end because that is the kingdom that we have. When you look at Revelation chapter 20 verse 6, Revelation chapter 20 verse 6, it says, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So your priestly ministry would never end. Even the robes, the description of the robes that these people wore, that John saw, all he saw was people clothed in white linen, which, which really was the, the, the garment of the priests. So heaven is full of priests. Amen. Amen. So it's important that we have this understanding that there is a significance of the priestly ministry in understanding praise. The significance. Because that's all that the priestly ministry is engaged in. In worship. In offering sacrifices. But to better understand, we are going to look at the significance of this priestly ministry in the tabernacle of Moses. Because, you know, when, when God gave Moses the tabernacle, he was practically giving him like a metaphor for what Christianity was. Not just a metaphor for what Christianity was, but a metaphor for what his plan was for you and I once we received salvation. Amen. Amen. I'm losing some people. Amen. Don't you never say it is well. You see, the reason why we're trying as much as possible, as much as possible to explain some of these things is once it opens up to you, there's a reality that, and a confidence that comes upon you that, that gives you that, 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 that boldness. That God had, had you in mind from the beginning. He had you in mind from the beginning. And that he had already created a way and a pattern for you to start to walk in the place of authority and dominance. And so he put all these nuggets of truth there. The Bible says that, he said, the glory of God is to conceal a matter, is to conceal it. But the glory of kings, which you and I are, is to search it out. So once we understand what his template is and his original plan is, you and I can walk in confidence that this is God's original idea. Not the idea of man, but the idea of God. So please, I beg of you, be patient. And I recognize that some might see these things and say, of what use is it to me now? I'll plead with you to recognize this. That even if you don't understand it now, let that seed keep penetrating your heart. And one day, the Holy Ghost will open it up to you. And it will become power and strength within you to overcome every obstacle. So I'm pleading with you, don't give up. Don't look at it as being esoteric. Don't say, ah, this is just too much. It is real, important, and vital for you and I. Because if it was not important, God would not have put it in the Word. Amen. I'm pleading with you. I'm pleading. Amen. So why are we looking at 
the tabernacle. First Corinthians chapter 6, chapter 3, from verse 16 to 17. First Corinthians chapter 3, from verses 16 to 17. It says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God. Someone say, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Now look at verse 17 very carefully. If any man can you repeat it? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which ye are. Ignorance is not an excuse in law. If you are ignorant of what you are and you defile that which God has called holy, what does the scripture say? Him shall God destroy. So we all have to recognize what we have who we are and the importance of it. Now, you will never fully understand some scriptures except in the light of the priesthood ministry. You won't. Now, take for example, first, uh, first John chapter 5 verse 6. First John chapter 5 verse 6. It says this, this is he who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ. Not only water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. I, I wondered about this scripture for many years. Made no sense to me. But in the light of the tabernacle, in the light of the temple, it makes perfect sense. Take another one. First Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. I did not understand where Peter got this from. But when you look at the temple, it makes perfect sense. In the outer court, there is nothing flamboyant. Absolutely nothing. The Implements there are made of brass. But when you go into the inner court, the holy place is filled with gold. That is the place where is, everything is beautified with ornaments of great wealth and price. So when you look at what the Bible, what, what the descriptions that God gives in the tabernacle, you see the reality of what God is doing and what God is saying and ascribing to each and every one of us. Amen. So looking at the tabernacle, hmm, you find out that there are three different parts to it. You have the outer court, the inner court, the holy of holies. The outer court, the inner court, the holy of holies. Now, it's been said that these three parts could also be broken down into three, many three parts within the Bible. You could ascribe the body, the soul, the spirit, could ascribe the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, could ascribe the three heavens, 
You could ascribe the Jesus the way, the truth, the life. In fact, it's been said that each of the three gates are called the way, the truth, and the life. You could ascribe different things. But we're going to be focusing on you and I being the temple of God. Why? We've just read it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, from verses 16 to 17. Know ye not that ye are the temple. And so if you have the tabernacle, he, Paul, is saying, do you not know that that tabernacle is speaking about you? Do you not understand that when he's, the Bible is giving you an outer court, an inner court, or the, what they call the holy place, and then the holy of holies, he's saying that you are that temple. And if you are defiling the temple, if you are defiling the temple, defiling the body, defiling the mind, the soul, defiling the spirit. Can we remember what verse 17 says? Him shall I'll try as much as possible to be quick. Amen. To be quick with looking at some of the items within these places and its spiritual significance for you and I as to our priestly ministry. Remember, it's always a battle of priesthoods. It's always a battle of priesthoods. But once you recognize what the priestly ministry entails, you and I will fly high. Amen. Now, on the outer court, you had the brazen altar and you had the brazen lever. You first approached the altar and then you approached the lever. And they were both made of brass. Now, in the Bible, brass symbolizes judgment. So you are placing on the altar, brazen altar, a sacrifice that is practically standing in the place of judgment. So when you are placed on that altar. You are practically saying, I am judging myself, bringing myself into the place of judgment and allowing myself to be a sacrifice. So when Paul was saying that you should offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, it's you putting your body upon that altar as a sacrifice, yielding to the judgment of God. Amen. So it is the place of sacrifice. And then the present labor is the place of washing, of washing. Amen. It is a place where, you know, after they had done the sacrifice and the, uh, uh, you know, the sacrifice on the altar, and when they had even walked in the inner court, they always had to go and wash in the laver. They'd wash their hands. They'd wash their feet. And it was made of the reflective glasses of the women. So when you're looking into the laver, you're you seeing yourself, seeing the impurities upon your body, and then you're taking a bath. They're washing, washing. So it's the place where washings occur. Now, what does the brazen altar signify for you and I as Christians? It is the place where we offer our bodies as living sacrifice. But the brazen lever is the place where we surrender to the word for washing. That's why the scripture says, sanctify them by the word, by the truth. Your word is truth. You are there. Receiving the ministry of the word. Think about this. The offering of your body is part of the priestly ministry. When you say, I am offering my body, yielding my body for, to, the, to, to, to the power of the Holy Ghost. 
so that everything I do would be to honor him. But then, when you are washing, you are receiving the priestly ministry of the word that sanctifies the body, that sanctifies the mind, that sanctifies you as a person. Amen. Amen. Now, in the Holy of Holies, in the inner court, sorry, the inner court represents the soul. Amen? It represents the soul. You had three items there. You had the showbread, you had the lampstand, and you had the altar of incense. The table of showbread, the lampstand, the altar of incense. All of these were made of gold. Made of gold. Now, when you think about the showbread, the showbread signified the covenant of God in salvation. The showbread was called the, 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 the bread of God's presence. And beside it was also incense. Now, you have to understand this, that the first thing you approach when you enter that place, the first thing you see is the table of showbread. Twelve loaves, six on each side, made of two, two, two parts, six on each side. Now, when you step in, that's what you see. And the Lord is basically saying, once you are coming into that place of holiness, I want you to focus on my covenant with you. That is what brings renewal. That is what brings change. That is what energizes your will to walk in the covenant. Because why? That is what is ever before him. So when he sees you, he sees his covenant that is ever before his presence. Amen. Amen. The second thing there is the lampstand. Now that lampstand signifies the spirit of Christ. Signifies the spirit of Christ and his covenant. It is the light of the, of the spirit of God that gives us an understanding of what God desires you and I to do. He illuminates us. He says that our, the light of our understanding, by the eye of our understanding might be enlightened, that we would know that we would know. So knowledge comes from the enlightening grace of the Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. And then the final thing there was the altar of incense. And that signifies worship. Because it is the altar of incense that the high priest took from the holy place into the most holy place. He did not step into the holy, most holy place without that altar of incense. And so the altar of incense signifies our prayers, signifies our praise, signifies our worship. Just as the song leader was saying, it signifies everything that we do in praise and worship unto the Lord. And that is how we approach the most holy place. So you see, you do not let go of one without doing the other. Your body must have been sacrificed. You must have washed in the water of baptisms. You must have spent time in the covenant. You must have spent time allowing the ministry of revelation that comes through the Holy Ghost to illuminate the soul. And then it is that through that very atmosphere, you take worship unto the Father. You do not jump and skip one step, but you do everything consistently. So the prayer, the worship, the spending of time in the word of God, the renewing of the mind with the covenant is what engages you and I as a priest. And then finally, once we get into that place, the most holy place, through prayers, through our worship, through our praise, through the word, 
through the illumination of the Holy Ghost, then we can have communion with the Father. Because in that most holy place, you had the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant. Within the Ark of the Covenant, there, was, there were three things. You had the Ten Commandments, two tablets of stone. You had the pot of manna. And then you had the rod of, of, uh, the rod of Aaron that budded, which signifies authority. You see, when you are approaching that throne, you're approaching that throne in revelation, you're approaching that throne in fellowship with the Father. And it is recognizing that you're coming into the, onto the judgment seat of God. The judgment seat. Why is it the judgment seat? It had the Ten Commandments showing the righteousness of God. And recognizing that he alone is king. He had the rod of authority of Aaron signifying the high priestly office of Jesus Christ. And then the pot of manna speaks of fellowship and communion because that was the bread that fell from heaven. So it is only in that place you can have sweet fellowship. It's like the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost. There is a pattern. And that pattern is what God has given us. Now if we neglect one for the other, we are just changing ourselves. A priest that does not make that sacrifice, that does not engage the word of God, that does not engage the place of prayer, that does not engage the place of fellowship with the Holy Ghost, that does not engage the place of the covenant that you have. When they say, well, okay, okay, if I, I were to ask us, please, no one answer. What if I were to ask us, what is your covenant with God? Or better put, what covenant do you have in Christ Jesus with God? Would you be able to confidently say it out? The covenant that I have with the Father in Christ Jesus. Because that's the only way we can approach the holy place. If you do not know the covenant that you have in Christ Jesus, then what else, what else gives you confidence? That's the only thing. He says, let us now approach the throne of grace with boldness. But if you do not know what gives boldness, how do you approach confidently and boldly? Turn to your neighbor and say, I am a priest of the Most High. And I am one eternally. It is a battle. Any battle we are facing, if it's with the enemy, it is a battle on the basis of your priesthood with the Lord. Have you overwhelmed your mind with the covenant? Have you taken a bath with the word of God? It is not only those who were coming from the altar of sacrifice that needed to go to the brazen labor. Those who were serving even in the holy place had to go and wash. Why? I mean, that is very likely that people who went into the holy place had experiences and encounters. In fact, we know that Zechariah, it was when he was in the most holy place that he had an encounter with the Lord. And then the Lord told him, uh, sorry, an encounter with an angel. And the angel told him, come, you are going to your son. There's a son coming. And then he was like, how can these things be? And then because he doubted the angel, he was made dumb. But the thing is, even when you have such encounters, when you have such rich fellowship with the Holy Ghost, you have to go back and wash. Why? Because you realize that there are things within you that need to change. 
So you go back to the word of God to correct every wrong ideology that you have had. You go back to the word of God to renew you. You go back to the word of God to say, come, this, high, this thing that has made me highly lifted up in my mind that I am something, I realize now that it is Jesus that is everything. And then you go back there and wash it off. You wash off the pride. You wash off the arrogance. Because Jesus has revealed a, a deeper place, a deeper meaning of who he is to you. Amen. But this is the priestly ministry. Yes, the Old Testament concealed a lot of things. But the New Testament reveals it unto us and tells us what the spiritual implications of what those things they did in the Old Testament, what it is to you and I. You and I are meant to engage the word of God. Engage the place of prayer. Engage the place of praise. Engage the place of worship. Engage the place of the covenant. Engage the place of sacrifice. Amen. But remember, we said the fire must never go out. Leviticus chapter 6 verses 12 to 13 says that the fire must never go out. Never. What does fire symbolize? Symbolizes judgment. Judgment. And you can take, you can read uh, 2 Peter chapter 3 from verses 10 to uh, 13 where Peter talks about the end of the world. That the earth that now is would melt with fervent heat. It symbolizes purification. Psalm 12 verse 6. Psalm 12 verse 6. And I'll just quickly read it. It says, the words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. It purifies. Fire purifies. The third thing is this. Fire was a symbol of the acceptance of a sacrifice. It was a symbol of the acceptance of a sacrifice. In Leviticus chapter 9 verse 24, Leviticus chapter 9 verse 24, it says this, Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offerings and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. That is when the altar had already been given a sacrifice, a sacrifice had been laid on the altar. God, in acceptance of that sacrifice, released fire from heaven. Amen. So fire is the acceptance of a sacrifice. Now the New Testament symbol of fire is the person of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 2 verse 3. Acts chapter 2 verse 3 says this. It says, Then appeared to them divided tongues or cloving tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Of utterance. Amen. So when in Leviticus, he was saying the fire was never to be put out. Why was he saying that it was never to be put out? Firstly, he was saying this. The fire originated from the presence of God. So what God gives you, you are meant to take good care of it. So because it was released from God onto the altar, they were meant to make sure that that fire was never put out. Amen. Secondly, that fire was also used Within the holy place. The fire that was in the altar was used to light the lampstand, was used to kindle incense. So it is the fire that brings revelation and it is the fire that you use for worship. You do not take anything else into the most holy place. 
You take the fire that the Lord released at the place of sacrifice. You know, the brazen altar is the place actually, not just the brazen altar, the brazen altar, the brazen labor. You could also say it's the place of baptisms. Because that's the place where they dip themselves in washing and it's also the place where they were totally covered and consumed with fire. So it is that same fire that you take into the holy place. You don't take anything else. It's the fire that you take in there. So it is only the Holy, holy Ghost and that which he gives, the illumination that he gives, that you take into the place of worship. The fire of the Holy Ghost. Look at Nedab and Abihu. Nedab and Abihu. Aaron's sons. Aaron's sons. Nedab and Abihu. In, uh, I believe it is... Leviticus chapter 10 verses 1 to 2. Leviticus chapter 10 verses 1 to 2. It says this, Aaron's sons, (laughs) Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer. They were in the holy place. And put fire in it. Put incense on it. And offered profane fire, strange fire, before the Lord which he had not commanded. So, fire went out from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord because they took that which was not commanded. They went into the presence of the Lord with a fire that did not proceed from the Lord. It is very important that when we, you and I, approach the Father, we are careful to make sure that it is the presence of the Holy Ghost that we abide with. We do not offer worship, incense, prayers using methods that are worldly. But it must always be inspired by the Spirit of God. Remember, all other ministries, they will pass away. But this priestly ministry that we have been called to It endures forever. Endures forever. But it's in the place where we highly esteem the ministry of the word, the Holy Spirit, the covenant, the place where we look at him and are changed consistently. You know, it is, the Bible says that as iron sharpens iron, so does the countenance of one sharpen the other. When you are spending that time in fellowship with the Father, his countenance changes you. Changes your thoughts. Now, the outer court might not change. But what changes is the inner court. That place of beauty. It begins to shine brighter and brighter. Even until a perfect new day. But that fire must never go out. This is an unending ministry of praise. But it must be birthed from the place of holiness. That only the Holy Ghost can give. And the word of God. Submitting to the ministry of the word is also part of the priestly ministry. And it is not just doing it one time a week. Dedicating yourself. Setting yourself apart for the word. In worship, in praise, in prayer. These are our duties. Someone raise your hand. Say, it is my duty. It is not the duty of the pastor. It is my duty. 
nobody wants to say it. It is my duty. We all have this ministry. A ministry of praise unto the Lord. Now, when you look, and I'm just rounding up now. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 15 to 22. First Thessalonians chapter 5, from verses 15 to 22. You see, as I said, you, you look at the scriptures and then you see that in different ways, the apostles were practically telling us what it means to be a priest and how to approach the Father in the dignity that the Father has bestowed on you. When he says he has made us perfect already, that's where we are spiritually. But here, in our actual existence, how are we applying it? That's why he says they are being sanctified unto the place of perfection. You have been perfected, but you are being sanctified, renewed unto that place of perfection. It's a place where God has given you. But you and I have to be renewed unto that place. Amen. Now, if you see this, it says, see that no one renders evil for evil. That is your action. But always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always. Amen. Someone turn your neighbor and say, rejoice always. Rejoice always. That is praise always. And then it says, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then he goes on to say, do not quench the spirit. Don't quench the fire. Let the fire keep burning. Don't quench the spirit. When you see the spirit kindled, you hold on to that fire. Make sure that no one extinguishes it. It keeps burning because that is the only thing that you can take to the Father. The burning light of God within you. He says in him was life. And that life was the light of men in him. And that is the light that you and I have become. It says ye are the light of the world. It is that fire that we take to the world and show that Jesus is alive. It is that fire that we take before his presence. But it must never go out. Amen. Never go out. Do not despise prophecies. What are prophecies? The mind of God, given by the Spirit of God. Test all things. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Let us rise up on our feet. Praise is our unending sacrifice. Our unending